BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. We recorded this interview before Donald Trump was hospitalized with COVID-19 back in October 2017. Would Pence be worse? Jane Mayer has been working on that question. She's a staff writer for The New Yorker, author of several award-winning and best-selling books. Her latest, Dark Money, The Hidden History of the Billionaires Behind the Rise of the Radical Right, was named one of the 10 best books of the year by The New York Times. It's out now in paperback and back on the bestseller list in Los Angeles. The last time she was here, we talked about the secret power behind the Trump presidency, the reclusive and very right-wing hedge fund billionaire Robert Mercer and his daughter, Rebecca. Jane Mayer, welcome back. Thanks. Great to be with you. Well, my first question is, do you think that Mike Pence wants to be president? Oh, I, I think there's um, there's no doubt. In fact, I interviewed so many people for this story. I think something like 60-some 60, 60 people, and including um, the editor of the newspaper in his hometown, who said to me, Mike Pence popped out of his mother's womb wanting to be president. Uh, he, he's, by the time he was in high school, he was telling his um, classmates that he wanted to be president of the United States. This is, I, this is one of the revelations to me that I, I just didn't expect. I knew he was you know, very much a social conservative and a, a member of the Christian right, but he's also hugely ambitious. But yet he's never been really successful as a candidate or as an elected official. He, he lost his first elections. He barely won the governor's race, got only 49% of the vote. And you say uh, his tenure as governor nearly destroyed his political career. I remember that when Trump picked him, it looked like he might lose his reelection campaign for governor. So how do you explain his relatively weak performance as a candidate and as governor? Part of the problem is his views really are so extreme that he has, as, as one of the Republicans that I quote in the story, a guy named Bill Osterley said, he scared a lot of people, even in Indiana, That which is partly why he only got 49% of the vote when he ran for governor. I mean, to, to, to balance that out, though, he did, he did serve a number of terms in Congress, of course, and kept getting reelected. And he, meanwhile, was rising in the leadership of the Republican Party in Congress. So... So he has some skills, and I wouldn't underestimate those. In particular, 
he has a, a great gift for making extreme positions seem less threatening. It's kind of the same gift that, that Ronald Reagan had, and to some extent, Dick Cheney had. The, the, he knows how to explain things in a way that makes him seem affable and likable, and you, you don't really grasp the, the sort of the threat that's um, in, in some of the policy positions he's taking. Well, among the 60 people you interviewed for your story in The New Yorker to understand Mike Pence, you talked to his mother. What is she like? <laughs> his mom's name is Nancy. Um, uh, Pence Fritch, she's gotten re- remarried. Um, she, uh, after her, uh, Mr. Pence died, um, she was actually quite delightful. And I would say to the extent that Mike Pence has any charm, it probably comes from his mom. She's a um, staunch Irish Catholic lady who was originally from Chicago, um, very proud of her roots, and um, moved to Indiana because of her husband's job. And uh, she had a sense of humor. She was pretty, you know, very proud of her, all of her sons. She's got six kids. It was her other son, though, her first son, um, Gregory, who um, actually was uh, taking a lot of sort of ribbing her and and ribbing his brother and, and kind of taking a few sort of sibling-like shots at Mike Pence while I was interviewing him, too. In your New Yorker piece, you quote Mike Pence's mother telling you, I was a Stepford wife. What is she talking about? <laughs> Well, I was asking her um, over coffee in uh, Columbus, Indiana, where they're all from, you know, how did she become a Republican? Because she'd originally been a a, a big Democrat, a fan of the Daily Machine in in Chicago and and of the Kennedys. And she said, well, my husband became Republican, and I guess I just sort of followed what he wanted. And she said, I was a Stepford wife. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) she, she actually went back to college when she was 65 and got a degree in psychology. And that she sort of said that's when she started thinking for herself and her her son Gregory who is uh, Mike Pence's brother said yeah she was like the sta- scarecrow she you know that's when she got her brain and then the mom looked at me and she said you see what I have to put up with so I mean they were they were you know they were kind of lively nice people funny uh, affable and um, self-deprecating and warm. It's the father in the family, though, who I think casted sort of a big shadow. And um, he was actually German, not Irish, and a staunch disciplinarian. And he um, had a rule in the household, which was that the Pence children, there were six of them, were not allowed to speak at the dinner table. They had to sit there in silence while their parents spoke. Wait a minute. um, minute. The children were not allowed to speak at the dinner table? They were not. They were forbidden from speaking except to say a few things like, pass the butter, please, and then thank you. Anyway, he was... uh, Greg Pence said to me that their father was very black and white. Um, he, He enforced discipline with a belt... And you always knew where you stood with him, the brother said. And he said, then he said to me, and and my brother, meaning Mike Pence, is a lot like him. Well, one of the things we know about Mike Pence is that he's an intensely religious, evangelical Protestant. His mother told you, quote, religion is the most important thing in our lives. What else did she say? 
But she said, you know, we don't, we're, we don't take it that seriously and we don't proselytize. But you see, the thing is, Mike Pence broke with the family's religion. Um, that all the kids, the, all the boys in the family, their four sons and two daughters, and the, all four sons were altar boys, and they were very, very involved in, you know, parochial school and all of that. But, but, but when Mike Pence went off to college, to Hanover College in, in Indiana, he changed his religion. He, con- he, he became born again and converted to evangelism. Evangelical Christianity, and and it interested me because he's someone who has, if you look at his pattern, very much kind of flowed, been caught up in in the larger political currents, and the current at that point was moral. The moral majority was proselytizing across the country and trying to convert, among others, Catholics to become evangelical Christians, Protestants, and and he he got caught up in that, and he changed the religion, which is, you know, quite a surprise in his family. And and they're dealing with it, but it it it's a it's an important rupture. You said his family were Democrats. I was amazed to learn from your article in the New Yorker that Mike Pence voted for Jimmy Carter in 1980, not for Ronald Reagan. What's the story there? Well, again, don't forget, Jimmy Carter was a born-again Christian. So he, uh, there were a lot of evangelicals who, who voted for him, um, including ones that would become increasingly conservative afterwards and become more Republican, and that's what happened with Mike Pence. He, he fell in love with Reagan after, <laughs> after voting for Jimmy Carter, um, and Reagan became kind of his, his role model. So again, in fact, I, I didn't put it in the story, but I have read that Mike Pence likes to listen to, on you know, to to tapes of Reagan's speeches and and jokes. I've heard him tell some of Reagan's jokes. I think he's he's again tried to capture that sort of affable conservative style that 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 won't be as off putting to people. But um, beneath that style is about as hardcore a right wing social conservative as you can find in this country. And what's the deal with his refusing to eat dinner alone with another woman? Does he really think other women will lure him into adultery? <laughs> well, you know, there is it's it's this code in the um evangelical right um and the idea is that you you need to keep yourself out of temptation. So he will not eat dinner with a woman other than his wife alone, and he also will not go to a cocktail party or any place where they're serving alcohol in mixed company when she is not present. I mean, in some ways, I felt that his wife, Karen Pence, who he calls mother, she acts almost like a chaperone in his life. And you kind of have to wonder, you know, why is it he feels he needs such chaperoning? Yeah. Well, you need to keep yourself out of temptation, he he believes, and yet he supported Donald Trump after the Excess Hollywood tape came out where, uh, let us say, Trump uh, does not try to keep himself out of temptation. Well, this is where you see the other side of Pence. So people think of him as an uncompromising Christian conservative, but in fact, he has he's cut his his necessary deals when he needs to in order to get ahead. And and getting on the on the uh, ticket with with Trump was certainly uh, the largest example that he was willing to sort of strike a, a, a Faustian bargain when he needed to. And it rescued him. I mean, it must be said, uh, many people I interviewed thought that Mike Pence would never have gotten reelected as governor of Indiana. He was incredibly unpopular. There were st- signs popping up all over the state saying, fire Mike Pence. And, and so 
it was really actually a you know a rescue operation when Trump put him on the ticket because there are very strong odds for vice presidents becoming president. It put him in in line to be potentially a president of the United States in a way he never would have had the chance otherwise. One of your sources, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, you quote saying, if Pence were to become president, the government would be run by the Koch brothers. Uh, You, of course, uh, have written the book on the Koch brothers, and you report that in 2012, one of the Koch brothers, Charles Koch, wanted Pence to run for president. How did Mike Pence, the the far-right Christian evangelical conservative, become a favorite of the Kochs? Well, it's a curious story because, and one that I actually didn't know till I got uh, deeply into the reporting on Pence. But as you, you know, your question sort of suggests that the the Cokes are not religious. They don't care about um, sort of social conservatism. They call themselves libertarians. So they they certainly are not aligned with Pence on these moral issues having to do with his hatred of abortion and and you know th- those kinds of issues. So what do they have in common? Well, it turns out in 2009, Mike Pence started doing some major economic favors for the Kochs. Uh, They were tremendously powerful, but they were really worried that um, some legislation was going to pass through Congress that was going to end up taxing carbon pollution. They're a huge fossil fuel company, and it would have hurt their bottom line tremendously. And Mike Pence took up their cause, and he he campaigned and pushed and wheedled and he, he took a, a, a petition that the, that the Koch organization had created and got tons of his colleagues in the House to sign on to it saying that they would pass no legislation to stop global warming that would require spending a, a cent of government money. And, and what happened as a result of his activism and that of a few other people in the, in the uh, leadership on the Republican side in the House was that they, they he succeeded in killing the legislation, which would have resulted in a tax on carbon pollution, helping Coke Industries hugely, and and from there on out, aligning the Republican Party against doing anything about climate change, unlike almost any other political organization in the world. Um, and so it was a, a hugely valuable thing that he did for Coke Industries, and Coke Industries has rewarded him ever since, and he became you know one of their favorite politicians if not their favorite politician. So that's the, that's the origin story of, of how they became so close. And then they began to try, the Cokes were hoping to push them to run for president. So I need to return to our opening question. Would Pence be worse than Trump right now? What, what answers did people give you to that question? So I, I asked tons of people, and, 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 you know, one of the things that was interesting to me was among the people who, <laughs> who were most negative about Pence were people in Indiana, including a number of Republicans. Even moderate Republicans were, were found Pence just so far right that they, that they thought, and, and, and also kind of incompetent, that they, they were just warning me against him. And there's one um, Republican state legislator I quote named Ed Clay from Indiana who said to me, I would take Trump 
any day of the week and twice on Sundays over Pence, which is kind of shocking. Yeah. And 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 a num you know and a number of the others did too. And then <laughs> there's some Democrats who, for different reasons, kind of said the same thing. I quote Harold Ickes in the story, um, who's a big Democratic operative and has been for a number of years. And 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 Ickes said to me, Democrats should pray that Trump stays in office because he feared that if Pence came in, it would be a much harder foil for the Democrats to run against. Pence Pence is likely to be it would be able to work with Congress if he were president because he's been in Congress, maybe even get something done, might be a little bit more competent than than Trump. You know, and and certainly in this in social conservative legislation sphere, he poses a, a, a different and bigger threat. But it all comes down to I think how great a threat you think Trump might be in terms of starting a nuclear war. And that is everybody's caveat. You know, if 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 you think Trump might start a nuclear war, what could be worse? Pretty much nothing. But beyond that, I, I can't say that I heard a lot of votes for Pence. Jane Mayer, she interviewed 60 people for her piece for The New Yorker. It's called The Danger of President Pence. It's required reading for everybody interested in politics. Jane, thanks so much for this piece, and thanks for talking with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.